Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 49th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh here with you guys tonight. Going to recap Carolina's weekend in the Hall of Fame tip-off classic up in Elkinsville, Connecticut. Carolina goes 0-2 over the weekend with losses to Purdue and Tennessee. I'm going to recap both of those games and then give you my weekend conclusions um, before we do get out of here for this edition of the podcast, as I mentioned, Carolina loses to Purdue. That was yesterday in a fun, highly contested, highly competitive 93-84 to defeat. It felt like a NCAA tournament game. There was great energy in the crowd. It was great basketball, um, something that you don't usually see. Um, in November, even in, even against two top teams that have chances to win their conference and make deep runs into the NCAA tournament. So it was a really fun game. Um, and Carolina really competed the best they have so far this season. Um, you know, they, they, they were really struggling. Armando Baycott was, uh, was dealing with foul issues all game long, did eventually foul out in the game. No leaky black. He was suffering from a non-COVID-19 illness. He was not uh, he was not ready to go, and Carolina was just in a dogfight. They took their first lead in the second half, 65-64, to and you started, and it looked like there was a pathway to a Carolina victory. All of a sudden, Purdue comes back, 10-0 run. Carolina would cut it back down to three, but never get any closer than that on the way to the 93-84 defeat. The big reason why Purdue shot the ball really lights out. 56% from the field, 68% in the second half. Carolina really struggling again on the defensive end of the court. They dominated the painted area, 42-18. And and look, that was expected um, given the size that Purdue has. You got Zach Eady, who was 7'4". Travion Williams, who's a grown man, comes off the bench for Purdue. But it was a, it was a list of everybody for that team. Sasha Stefanovic, 23 points. They got whatever they wanted, whether it was on the interior or on the exterior, and really just pummeled Carolina, overwhelmed Carolina in that painted area. As for the Tar Heels, had Dawson Garcia not showed up, I don't know how close this game would have been. 26 points, 
10 of 13 shooting, 10 of 13 shooting, excuse me. He started in place of Brady Manick. Hubert Davis mentioned in the in the uh, press conference before the team went to Connecticut, he had to do a better job of getting Dawson Garcia involved, running offense strictly for Garcia. And that was the case in the loss yesterday. He was better with his shot making. I've been not, I'm not going to say overly critical, but that has been something that has needed to be worked on uh, early in the season because he's been forcing his offense to let his offense come to him. That wasn't the case yesterday. Um, as I mentioned, the 26 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, led the team with 8 rebounds, did turn the ball over four times before eventually fouling out. R.J. Davis added 18 points. So did Caleb Love. Um, as Carolina only put three players in double-figure scoring. But they went punch for punch with Purdue. Every time Purdue hit them in the mouth, they were able to respond. And and I think that was the thing that came out of yesterday's loss was you showed the fight, or they showed the fight that they could have on a nightly basis if a team does come out and hit them in the mouth. And that's something that Carolina has lacked the last couple years. Every time a team has hit them in the mouth the last couple of years, they've they folded. Against Purdue, they were able to punch back, um, and, and that was a really good sign to see for Carolina, especially with Armando Baycott being limited and there being no leaky black. Had you told me entering the game that Armando Baycott was going to score two points and leaky black, was not going to play, and Carolina lost by double or lost by single digits, and was in the game at the under four minute timeout. I would have told you you were crazy because of how good Purdue is. Purdue's a legitimate Big Ten uh, regular season and, and and conference tournament type of team. They they've got a legitimate chance to make it to the second weekend of the of the NCAA tournament and maybe even the Final Four. They're that good. They're that deep. They've got the nice blend of experience. They got the nice blend of young talent with Ivy on the court. So they've got a lot that you're that uh, you know to to love about a college basketball team. And Carolina hung in there with them, and that was the most encouraging thing. Did they play as well as they could have played? Absolutely not. But you know, that's that's part of this team growing and playing in this new uh, fashion under Hubert Davis. They yeah they out rebounded Purdue. That's something that. Caught, every, caught everybody off the of guard, including they only allowed four offensive rebounds to Purdue compared to them grabbing 12 of their own offensive rebounds. So a 37-31 to offensive rebounding margin. So they were able to show that they can compete up front um, at times, even though they only got three legitimate bigs and Purdue was running four or five at them. Um, it's just a matter of they didn't get enough stops and, 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 and Purdue's a good enough offensive team to really take advantage of of that and Purdue would go on and, and and win the Hall of Fame tip-off classic earlier today using a 23 to 5 run at one point in the second half to erase a Villanova lead to beat Villanova um to take the Hall of Fame tip-off classic um earlier today. So with Carolina losing yesterday, that meant they got to play Tennessee who got completely overwhelmed by that same Villanova team who lost to Purdue, as I just mentioned. Tennessee looked out of sorts offensively. Um, They only scored 53 points. Villanova harassed Kennedy Chandler into his worst game of his young freshman career. So you were thinking, okay, good matchup for Carolina. Tennessee's clearly got a lot of stuff going on on their end of the court. Also, Roy Williams has retired. Rick Barnes was the one coach that was always in Roy Williams' thorn as much as any coach 
in college basketball. I think that's here to stay um, because Tennessee completely overwhelmed, blew out Carolina earlier today, 89-69. to And since that was the most recent game that Carolina has played, we're going to take a deeper dive into that box score. Tennessee shot 54% from the field. Carolina just shot 40% all making just 22 made baskets. The Volunteers made 45% of their threes on 9 of 20 attempts. Carolina, meanwhile, 43% from three on 10 made baskets highlighted by Brady Manick, who went 6 of 10 from behind the arc. As from the foul line, Carolina got to the foul line 22 times, making 80, 18 of them for an 80, 82% clip from the charity stripe. As for Tennessee, only five foul shots, made four of them. Um, so despite that discrepancy, Carolina could not make that up in the overall box score. Turnovers, 13 turnovers for Carolina, which turned into 19 Tennessee points. Tennessee, meanwhile, 10 turnovers, which Carolina converted that into 14 points. A day after out-rebounding a team in Purdue, Carolina got out-rebounded by Tennessee earlier today, 38-30. But a, a promising stat, Tennessee entered the game leading the country in offensive rebounds per game at over 20. Carolina allowed just eight offensive rebounds to the Volunteers, but meanwhile, they only grabbed five of their own which they converted into just five second-chance points. Eight offensive rebounds for Tennessee. They converted that into seven second-chance points. Bench points. Kerwin Walton moved back to the bench today with Leaky Black being uh, being able to play. Nonetheless, Tennessee's bench outscored Carolina's 30-24. We mentioned the points in the paint disparity in the Purdue game, where Carolina got outscored in the paint 42-18. Today, 54 to 22 in favor of the Volunteers. Tennessee also outscored them in the fast break points, 19 to 8. They had four blocks compared to Carolina's just one block. Nine steals for Tennessee, four for Carolina. 28 assists for Tennessee compared to just nine for the Tar Heels. Carolina led for just a grand total of one minute and 14 seconds in today's defeat. And, and look, it was just a balanced effort. From Tennessee, Kennedy Chandler re- responded after yesterday's rough go. 14 points, 6 of three, six of 13 from the field, excuse me. John Fulkerson, a guy who's been at Tennessee since the university was founded, 13 points, 6 of 7 shooting. Um, then you add in Santiago Viscovi, 17 points on 6 of 12 shooting. And then Sakai Zegler, 18 points on 7 of 10 shooting. So Tennessee put four players in double figures scoring. As for Carolina, they had four players in double figure scoring of their own, led by Brady Manick, as I mentioned. 24 points, 7 of 12 shooting, 6 of 10 from behind the three-point line. Armando Baycott responded from yesterday's down game. 16 points, 6 of 9 shooting, um, and 12 rebounds for another double-double for Mondo. R.J. Davis, not efficient from the field, but made up for it at the foul line. 14 points, 3-11 shooting, 6 of 7 from the free throw stripe. And then Caleb Love, 12 points, also just 3 of 8 from the field, but 4-4 from the foul line to get his 12 points. The biggest thing that came out of this game was with Purdue, you loved the way Carolina fought. You should love the result. Carolina competed for 40 minutes. They responded every time Purdue punched them. That didn't happen today. 
You could tell at the first media timeout, Carolina was lethargic. They lacked energy. They lacked desire and want to. And Tennessee was more motivated to, to play after their bad defeat yesterday to Villanova. You usually see Carolina look like this once or twice a year. Usually it happens in, in, in a conference game, whether it be at home or on the road in December or January, sometimes into February. This year it took to the fifth game. Carolina had no desire to be on the court this afternoon. I don't know if it was from a lack of a lethargic crowd that was in the building because all the people that were in the building for the championship game, they all filed out um, before the consolation game unless they were in the building to get photos with Roy Williams, who was in attendance for both games over the weekend. The man retired back in April, has been present for every Carolina basketball event since then. And that was the most frustrating thing. And I think it's one, Carolina does like depth, and they used a lot of energy yesterday. But that's that's more of an excuse than a, than a reason um, because you can't use that come ACC tournament time because if you want to win the ACC tournament, which is a goal of this team and for Hubert Davis, you're going to have it. You're going to have to win at a minimum three games in three days, most likely four games in four days, or potentially even five games in five days. And it was just something that uh, it's a young team. They're still learning how to play with one another. Um, and it's it's just something that they've still got to work through. They were down seven at halftime, but the game wasn't even that close. And in the second half, we mentioned how Purdue shot 68% from the field in the second half yesterday. There was a stretch in the game where Tennessee scored on 16 of 17 possessions. It's it's almost impossible, impossible to win when you allow your opponent to score the ball that effectively, that consistently. Um, it's also the fourth straight game which Carolina has given up at least 83 points. And in four of the last eight halves, they've allowed an opponent to shoot 60% or better from the field, which is just not good enough. As good as Carolina's offense has been, and it was outside of today's game against Tennessee, they've done their part. They're scoring the ball a lot easier. They're scoring the ball a lot more effectively with a variety of different options on the offensive end. They're not getting the stops that they need to get in order to be the best version of themselves as a team. And we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to my overall weekend conclusions from the Hall of Fame tip-off classic. But, but today... Today was uh, it was just an uninspiring performance, and it's something that they'll learn from. And this is the first bit of adversity Hubert Davis has faced as a head coach, as his staff has faced um, under his direction as Car- as Carolina basketball's leader. But you got to give credit to Tennessee. Tennessee's a really good team, and I told you guys in the preview that they're more than capable of winning the SEC. They're more than capable of playing deep into March. Rick Barnes is one of the best coaches in college basketball. He knows how to get his teams up to play Carolina. That's happened from his time when he was at Clemson, when he moved on to Texas, and now that he's at Tennessee. It doesn't matter what shade of orange that man is coaching in. His teams are going to be ready to go when they play against Carolina. Um, and, and look, one, one team had to lead this event 0-2. That was a given. There was no way around that. You just didn't want it to be Carolina. But that's how it ends up going this weekend as Carolina loses to Purdue and Tennessee. We're going to take a quick break, 
Here's I'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to vent about this weekend as I give my overall conclusions from Carolina's 0-2 stint in Uncasville, Connecticut. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Now, use the promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great ads, both I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast and what Anthony's been giving you over on the Heel Tough blog podcast. As I teased a moment ago before we went to that commercial break, I'm going to give you my weekend conclusions. And this is probably one of the few times that I do wish Anthony was sitting here with me to kind of keep me calm because I'm about to yell and, and rant and rave for the next 10, 15 minutes or so. And it starts with Carolina's effort on the defensive end. Um, simply put, it's not good enough. And defense starts and ends with, with, with effort and want to and the desire to play defense. If you've watched Carolina after the first seven or eight minutes of that, of that Loyola game, they've shown no desire, no effort to play defense on a consistent level this season. You look at what they did in the second half against Charleston, they held the Cougars to 36% in that second half, and we thought, okay, you could build off of that. You were going to need to build off of that because you were going to see much better offenses this weekend, excuse me, and it didn't happen. Allowing Purdue to shoot 68% in the half, over 50% from the game, and then same thing with Tennessee today, over 50% from the field, and those 16 scoring trips and 17 possessions. The biggest thing that Carolina, the, their biggest issue right now, has been their same issue for the handful of years. And it's simply they cannot stay in front of the ball. It doesn't matter who it is. If their name isn't Leaky Black, who starts when he's healthy enough to play, or Anthony Harris coming off the bench, nobody on Carolina's team can stay in front of the ball. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, guys that I believe can play defense at a really high level and be really good defenders for Carolina. They can't stay in front of the ball. Kerwin Walton hasn't gotten any better on the defensive end of the on the floor. And then for Carolina's bigs, whether it's Armando Baycott, Brady Manick, or, or Dawson Garcia, it's really hard to complain because there's just three of them. Carolina has three legitimate bigs. Justin McCoy is going to be a nice player for Carolina. That's going to be next year. 
because his offense isn't good enough to warrant him being on the court right now. And when he's at the floor or at the four position, he's a liability. So they can't they can't try to block every shot because then they'll get in foul trouble. And we saw what happened with yesterday against Purdue. When they get into foul trouble, it's really hard for this team to withstand on both ends of the court. We all summer long, whenever you heard Hubert Davis talk, whenever Carolina put out the videos about practice or whatever, it was preaching defense. We're gonna make them we want them to have an off night. They even had a team had an off night all year. And that's that's frustrating because, to me, it starts and ends with the coaching emphasis on defense um, and, and, then, and, and the game plan that's being executed. Carolina is still struggling with, with ball screens, uh, they, they, whether it's going under the screens or they're not switching at the proper times. And the second that they get beat on the, uh, off on the perimeter when a guard drives the lane, the entire defense collapses. All of a sudden, they're kicking out to wide-open three-point shooters. Shooting's too good today. And all of a sudden, Carolina's giving up threes like there's no ends to the earth. So with that being said, the biggest issue that I had this weekend, and I've had since the really since the Brown game, has been the lack of adjustments in-game from Hubert Davis. He said that, you know, he does believe in playing man-to-man defense, but... He's more willing to play zone. We saw Carolina play zone in Loyola and the Brown games. You haven't seen it since. Um, a, a staple of both Dean Smith and Roy Williams, his mentors, both as a player and as a coach, were coming out of timeouts, just a simple run and jump and, and, and try to trap try to trap him at midcourt or something like that. We haven't seen that at once this year. The only thing he did in today's loss to Tennessee was at the about the under four or five-minute timeout, he threw out about a three-quarter court press. That got broken down relatively easily for a Tennessee layup. He has to, and the staff, they've got to find more ways to be more diverse defensively. They've got to change the rhythm of the game on the defensive end of the court. I think Carolina's going to get whatever they want offensively. I think for the most part, they're going to be able to score the ball the way they want to score the ball. Today was 72 points. That's a season low. Um, and, and that might be a season low for them all season long, if we're being completely honest. With the way they've looked offensively, with the amount of ways they've been able to score the ball with the multitude of different players. But you can't give up 80 every game. They've given up 83 points or more in back-to-back games. Um, or or in, in, in four straight games, excuse me. And, and that's not good enough. Not at, not at this level. Um, even at the NBA, you translate into 48 minutes, you're giving up 110, 115 points. You're going to get beat most nights. And so Carolina has to recommit itself on the defensive end of the court. Um, this should be a practice where they get back home. They don't, they don't do a shooting drill. They don't run any offense. You practice defense for two to three hours like Carolina had to do multiple times under Roy Williams when they played this bad defensively. So I do think they need to recommit defensively, but I also think Hubert Davis has to try some new things on and be more experimental. Roy Williams was allowed to be stubborn because when you won 903 games and went to nine Final Fours and won 18 conference titles and three national championships, you earned the right to be stubborn. Well, we're all willing – to grow as Schubert Davis grows as a head coach, right? I'm on board with that. 
Um, and, 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 you know, you guys know me. I don't believe in playing zone defense. But if I watched my team four straight games get beat off the bounce, I would put my team in a zone and see if that at least helps the penetration. Carolina's been able to hold their own on the rebounding as it is, put it in a zone. You know, I, I, I think they'd be able to hold their own in that aspect. So all I'm asking for, as anyone should be asking for, is just try some different things, figure out what works, and, and what doesn't work. Um, and, 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 and then you go from there, figure out what you like, what you don't like, whether it's a 2-3 zone, whether it's a 1-3-1 one, one zone, no matter what kind of zone it is, or maybe you pick up full court pressure, you trap more, you, 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 know, you, you, you run and scramble and stuff, try to get the ball out of people's hands, those kind of things, even if you're just trying to disrupt the rhythm and force the opponent into a quick shot, into a bad shot, we're not going to complain. Just try something different and then go from there. Another thing that really came out this weekend, this isn't Hubert Davis's fault, we knew this coming into the season, is the lack of front court depth. And look, you're not going to face many teams like Purdue that can roll, that can rotate four or five big dudes at you, but that is going to happen when you get into ACC play. Duke's got some bigs, you know Florida State's got dudes, and some other teams down the road. But foul trouble is going to be an issue for this team anytime they get into foul trouble. Um, whether it's Mondo, Baycott, or Manic, when one of those guys get into, into severe first-half foul trouble or like in the Purdue game, second-half foul trouble, it's going to be a problem. At one, at, They all had four fouls or more with four and a half minutes left to go in the game before Manic and Baycott eventually fouled out. And that's just something that, given the time Hubert Davis was hired, and you lost all the guys to the transfer portal, Walker Kessler, Walker Miller, and Garrison Brooks. And, of course, you lost Dayron Sharp to the NBA. He did a really good job getting Armando Baycott back in Carolina Blue and then adding the transfers of Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick. I think we were all hoping that Justin McCoy is going to be a more – uh, a, a little bit more of a, of a contributor this season. That's not going to be the case. It doesn't appear as of right now. He doesn't lack confidence on the, or he lacks confidence on the offensive end. And so it's just really hard to put him on the floor right now, which means it's going to be really hard for Carolina to hold their own when those guys get into foul trouble, which is why I mentioned you can't really complain about those guys. Um, for not contesting every shot because they can't afford to get into foul trouble if Carolina wants to compete. One thing that Carolina can control, though, is their layups. 7 of 19 from the layup line today. They're getting to the basket. you got to give Love and Davis credit. They're getting the ball to the rim, but they're not finishing at the rim, and that's got to fix that that that's that was a big emphasis all off season was we're going to space the floor and make and make driving lanes more accessible. They've done that. They've spaced the floor. They've opened the driving lanes for their guards to get them to the basket. The problem is is that they're not finishing at the basket. So that's the next step in their progression and their development. And it's simply they just got to be stronger with their ball whenever they go up for the layups. They're being too casual, whether they're anticipating contact or not. They're not finishing hard. They're not they're not finishing the play the way you need to finish the plays against these types of teams. You can get away with it against Loyola and Brown and the College of Charleston, but not against Purdue and Tennessee, teams that have legitimate Final Four capabilities. So it's being more aware 
being more intense and not taking plays off. And that's the the layup is the easiest shot in the game. So you, it's it's easy to get lazy in in that. But as I've stressed all in this time of the year, this is when you create good habits. And this is when you create the bad habits. Right now, their bad habits are bad defense, and they're not finishing at the rim. They're both correctable issues if it's addressed in practice, and then it's reinforced in the games over and over and over again. So that's something that Carolina has to work on, something that the Tar Heels don't have to work on. That three-point shooting is legit, guys. Back-to-back games, over 40% shooting um, in the losses to Purdue and Tennessee, despite Kerwin Walton going 2 of 10 over the weekend. They're getting contributions. Manic, 6 of 10 today. Yesterday, Dawson Garcia, 3 of 5 today. So you're getting the 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 the, the, the three-point shooting you're wanting from your from your post players, Sands Armando Baycott, who's taken just one three all season long. But that's a really good sign because especially with their inability to get stops on the defensive end of the court. It does look like Carolina is going to need to shoot the ball really, really well most nights to give them a, to give themselves a chance to win. Another thing that appears to be moving in the right direction has been the free throw shooting. Carolina shooting over 80% in both games this weekend after hovering around the mid-70s to start the season. But the, the bigger key is they're getting to the foul line more often. Now, yesterday they just shot one free throw in that second half against Purdue. The first time they've shot only one free throw and a half um, or less since 2015, I do believe. But today they re- they responded with 18 of 22. They're getting to the foul line at a, at, at a really high rate, and they're doing a really good job of making more free throws than their opponents are taking, which is a really good thing. That was a Dean Smith staple during his 36 years as Carolina's head coach. So that's really encouraging as well. And then lastly, both Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick had big games over the weekend, meaning they're getting more comfortable in their offense. They're getting more confident. Manick hitting those six threes today was huge because he was entering the game shooting less than 20% from behind the three-point line. So we, we, we knew the three-point shots were going to come, but really for Dawson Garcia, this is a guy that Carolina is counting on. In my opinion, he's the most talented front court player on this roster because he can do so many different things on both ends of the court and do them very well. But he hadn't had the greatest of starts. Uh, Hubert Davis puts him in the starting lineup. He ran some more set offenses for him, through him. The result paid off really well yesterday in that in the loss to Purdue today. You know, just four points, two of seven shooting. But, you know, that's just how it goes. But I do feel like he looks a little bit more comfortable, does look a little bit more confident out there for the Tar Heels. And, look, they're going to need that moving forward because the schedule does not get any easier. Um, and, 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 you know, that's going to be the thing is that they still got time to correct these issues. They got UNC Asheville coming up, but then they have an eight day layoff and then Michigan comes to town. Michigan's a top 10 team with a legitimate chance to make the final four as well. And then they still got to go play UCLA, um, right before Christmas. So they've got time to work all this, these issues out, but they got to start doing it sooner rather than later because a 20-game ACC gauntlet schedule does await them at the end of the non-conference 
season. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, I do want to get you over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I had you covered from, from the start to finish of the Hall of Fame tip-off classic with a big preview and then one massive recap. That's up on the website. I dive a little bit more into the issues with Carolina and how they can go about correcting them. And uh, I'll have you ready as well for UNC Asheville later this week. As for the football side of things, Carolina earned a relatively comfortable win yesterday over Wofford to get bowl eligible. Anthony had you ready to go with the preview. A recap was already up on the site as well. There will be a stock report that will follow that. And then we will turn our attention to the regular season finale this Friday against NC State. Anthony will have a preview, and then following the game, a recap and a stock report as well. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. Uh, we're on the uh, Basketball Podcasting Network. We host our Megaphone, but we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners and the Heel Tough Blog Podcast are there. Go ahead and like and review both. Review me as the host of this one and as the co-host of the of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Review Anthony as the co-host of this one and as the host of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. But most importantly, we do encourage you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. As you've been able to notice an uptick in pods so far this season. Anthony will be back when we get ready for the UNC Asheville game. We'll get his thoughts on the Hall of Fame tip-off classic as well. Um, so make sure you do subscribe. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.